Welcome back to Resolve. We all encounter difficult issues at times, life can get tough, and it may seem impossible. But no matter what, and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is entitled, Don't Quit. We look at the reasons for not giving up and those figures in the Bible who didn't quit. You're listening to program number 43 of Resolve. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter. Well, if you will turn to Acts chapter 18, that'll be our text this morning. Acts chapter 18, we'll look at a couple of verses. So let's all stand as we read the Word of God. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. Acts 18, 9 through 11. So glad you're here this morning. And the topic of our message today is very simple. It's two words. Don't quit. Don't quit. Sometimes people are right on the edge of quitting. And it's shocking. Shocking to the ones that quits. It's shocking to the one that is impacted. How many of you have been impacted by somebody that quit on you? Raise your hand. All right, mostly everybody here, if you think about it. Acts chapter 18, let us start with verse number 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid. You ever been there? I have. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee. This is Jesus speaking here. I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. Heavenly Father, we come to You humbly before the throne, and we say, God, encourage us. God, strengthen us. God, if there's one here this morning that is about to quit, about to give up on whatever it is, Father, I pray that this message would pierce their heart and they would be encouraged and see what great things people do uh, be, uh, because they don't quit. They don't stop. They keep pressing forward for the prize in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, help me to preach uh, Your Word with power, with conviction, and that, Father, that we'll be listeners to the Word of God today. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. You may be seated. And I suppose all of us at some time or another, we've, we've gotten depressed. We've gotten, we feel like we want to quit. We want to give up. In the heat of the moment, we'll say, I just leave this job. I'll show them. I'll leave this job. And I bet you it'll take 1,400 people to take my place. I'm so, you know, and the truth of the matter is you can leave a job and they don't know. Oh, he left. When did he leave? You know, uh, or I'll quit the church. I don't like the color of the pews. I don't like the clothes the preacher wears. Whatever Satan does to discourage you. And you say, I want to quit. I'm going to quit my family. And uh, they'll miss me. And they'll wish I'd treat, they had treated me differently. I had a dear friend uh, in, uh, in Ocala. I knew he and his wife for many, many years. And uh, they served in a ministry uh, with us in Lake Wells, Florida. Um, and, and he, he had a good job. He owned a, uh, a re, uh, at the airport in Ocala, he owned a hangar that did all the repairs on the planes there in Ocala. And let me tell you something, in Ocala, Florida, 
where 10% of all thoroughbreds are raised, there's some mighty fine planes that come through that airport, and he had the privilege of working on those airplanes, and he owned the operation and had good money. His wife, uh, his wife's parents were millionaires, and they died, and she got all the money, and she started hanging out with a bunch of divorced women and riding horses, and uh, one day he went home after a hard day's work. There were 12 boxes in the living room floor with his name on it, and everything, every stitch of everything in that house was gone. She packed it up between the time he went to work and the time he got home and moved out of state, and she quit on a marriage. Uh, listen, it, it happens, and, and I don't want to see that happen. People just quit on life sometimes, and we hear stories about that. So uh, just the Lord pressed upon my heart. Have you ever quit on something and wish you hadn't done it? I have. Uh, I, you all know I love to fish, and I was 16 years of age, and I sold my drum set so that I could uh, buy a canoe. The problem was the canoe came in a box, <laughs> about eight inches square and about 15 feet long. came from the great state of California. And I, I said, I can't believe this canoe is in this little box here. I'm not kidding you, eight inches square if it was that much and, and, and 15, 16 feet long. So I asked dad, I said, can we take the Volkswagen out of the drive, out of the uh, carport and I, I'll build it. It won't take me but a couple of days. <laughs> it had, it, it had these wooden slats, sticks, <laughs> and you screw them all together. And I made the, the ribs, the skeleton, of the canoe. I had it down. That's no problem. That's easy. That's just following the directions and screwing it all together. But then they had in that little square box, they had rolled panels, white panels of fiberglass. And then they rolled also, because it could all fit in that square, they rolled uh, fiberglass uh, material, mats. I've never worked with fiberglass in my life. But man, I was excited about this. And I got that frame built in a day. I was, and I had visions of indoor-outdoor carpet <laughs> in the canoe. I had visions of all this great stuff that I was going to do. This thing was going to be a yacht, man. This was going to be great. And this would set me free. I, could, I would no longer have to be uh, chained down to the banks. I could go where the big fish are. Man, I was excited. But I didn't know how to work with fiberglass. Finally, after about five weeks, <laughs> my mother said, I want the garage back. Could you move those sticks out of there? Sticks? Mom, that's my connect. Well, why aren't you fit? I don't know how to don't. And this is before Uncle Google came around. So I couldn't, I couldn't go to him. YouTube, that's right. No YouTube. And so you know what I did? I got so frustrated. Ever been there? I took that canoe and I, I took it out to a place where I go fishing, but there's a dump out there. Now, this is not a prescribed dump by the county or city of St. Petersburg, Florida. This was just where people just dumped their stuff, you know, tires and washing machines and stuff. So I just rolled, you know, pulled it out I had, and, and I stuck it out there in the dump, just laid it out there. Next week, I'm going fishing. And as I'm driving, I look and there's a grandpa and his grandson, about 14 years of age, and they're painting this beautiful dark blue canoe 
on, uh, on horses, you know, two horses. And uh, so I stopped. I pulled in there. And uh, I said, man, I said, you know, I was building a canoe just like this, but I didn't know how to do the fiberglass. How, how, where did y'all get this? He said, you won't believe it, but some idiot dropped it off at the dump down the street here, and all it needed was to be fiberglass. And I thought to myself, that's my, I didn't tell them, you know. But I thought to myself, that's my canoe. And had I only known how to fiberglass it, I, I messed up. Because I quit. Had I asked my coach, my tennis coach, who lived three doors down, he asked me one day, well, I don't see that canoe. Did you finish it? I said, no, I didn't know how to fiberglass. He said, should have called me. I know how to fiberglass. That's easy. See, it's easy when you know how to do it, right? Yeah, when you have the tools and the knowledge. Oh, my. I think we've all quit on stuff in our lives, and we, were, we, we, we regretted it the day. Maybe you quit on, on uh, maybe you're looking for a car, and you quit on it. Let me, let me share with you a couple of verses and just listen, and we'll get to our text in a moment. But let me share with you a couple of people in the Scripture where they, they, they wanted to quit, but praise be to God, they didn't. Here's one. You ever heard of Moses? Probably one of the greatest leaders this world has ever seen was in Moses. Was he perfect? No, he murdered a guy. He wasn't perfect. God does not sugarcoat his characters in the Bible. God tells it just like it is. And God tells us about Moses, the greatest leader, handpicked by God. And he had the power of God in his life. But in Numbers chapter 11, verse 15, listen to what Moses said. And he said to God, this is Moses, if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. He asked God to go ahead and kill him. He was so frustrated with the children of Israel. And you can imagine millions of people and trying to, to, to orchestrate all of that and to feed them and clothe them. And my lands, just the diapers alone would get you depressed. How about Joshua in the Bible? The greatest general that ever lived. Handpicked by God. By the way, I say handpicked by God. Did you know that you're handpicked by God? Every one of us in this room, handpicked by God. There's not another you. You're the only you that's going to be you. And if you aren't going to be you, then who's going to be you? You are going to be you. You're handpicked by God. And this Joshua, this general, listen to what Joshua said in seven, uh, Joshua 7, 7. He said, would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. It would to God that we never left. Man, I'm so frustrated. I'm ready to quit, he said. He felt like quitting, but thankfully he didn't. Elijah, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, willing to challenge idolatry of his day, called fire down from heaven, won a face-off with the prophets of Baal. That's one of the greatest stories. I mean, you know, they just soaked the, 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 uh, uh, the, the idol there. They just soaked it in uh, the altar with water and everything. And then, then, then uh, uh, Elijah stood back and called, and fire came down and consumed it all in front of the, uh, the people of Baal. But in 1 Kings 19.4, he says, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. And these are great people in the Scripture that, uh, that, that were ready. God, just kill me. Job, y'all know the story of Job. We talk about his patience and faith, and, and he was truly a great man, and he had a, a great beginning and a great end, but boy, in between the beginning and the end, it was some rough times for him. It was his wife that said, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, that's really encouraging, isn't it? 
And when he lost everything, he wished he had, had not even been born, and he became suicidal and extremely depressed for a period of time. And it, but in Job 3.3, 3, he said, Let the day perish, and wherein I was born. I wish I'd never been born. I've actually heard in counseling people say that to me. I wish I'd never been born. 1 Corinthians and Paul Paul, Paul uh, he had uh, this missionary journey that we're looking at in Acts chapter 18. And in, and, and, but in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, Paul says in Acts, uh, in, in, uh, he says, I, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in so much trembling. Translated, I was far from being strong. I was nervous and I was rather shaky in the whole thing. Been there, done that. He was fatigued. He was alone. He was bivocational. He was a tent maker. Stressed. Did you know that stress will kill a person? Stress is one of the biggest killers. Acts chapter 18, you're there. Look at verse number 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. That means that he was in spiritual stress. Spiritual stress. Had a sense of failure. Not much success in Athens. Matter of fact, he was called a, a babbler, a, a, a bird brain. Most Christians don't live in the will of God. Most people don't live in the will of God because of a sense of failure. We miss the will of God the perfect will of God in our lives. There's the permissive will of God. And then there's the perfect, the, the bullseye, right where we want to be, right where God wants us to be. And we miss that because of fear of failure. Can I tell you from a personal experience, you cannot live in the will of God for your life without depending on and obeying the Spirit of God that dwells within you. If you want to live in the perfect will of God for your life, you are a child of God that is obeying and listening to God. You are fellowshipping with God. You're in tune with God. You're not running from God. You are running to God. It starts with yielding to the Holy Spirit. Paul was frustrated. He was living, uh, uh, leaving a city of idolatry and heading for the worst in the world for immorality. Sin City. The temple. Aphrodite, the goddess of sex, and a thousand prostitutes sold their bodies in the temple in the name of religion. Can you imagine that? In the name of religion. I'm so glad that our salvation is not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not religion. Boy, I could see his frustration. In 2 Corinthians 12, 15, Paul says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Have you ever found that true? The one you try to help the most stabs you in the back in the end. Has that ever happened to you? Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? Sure. Sure. I could go on and on and on being in the ministry for 37 years about the people that we have helped that have ended up just stabbing us in the back. So if you're serving God and you're not doing it as unto the Lord, you will be ready to quit. But every one of those incidences 
God, I was doing it for you. The Bible says you give a drink of cold water to somebody that needs a drink, you're as, as if you're giving it to God. And that's got to be your perspective. That we're serving the Lord. We're not serving ourselves. We're not serving other people. We do, but it, ultimately we're serving the Lord. We're doing it in the name of Christ. We don't want to quit. Because if you do it any other way, you'll be ready to quit. You'll be ready to give it up. I can't take it. I can't take the heartache <coughs> anymore. Ever notice oftentimes it's the ones that you help that stab you in the back. At this point on this trip alone, Paul's been beaten. He's been in jail in Philippi. He's persecuted in Thessalonica and Berea, ridiculed in Athens. And now he has to face Corinth with all these the, 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 the corruptness that's in the religion that they have there. He's at a low point, at crossroads in his ministry, and he was just about to quit. Listen to this. But the Lord came to Paul on this day and showed him that trying times, listen to me, trying times are not the time to quit. When you're, when you're struggling and you say, man, pastor, I'm about to quit, that's not the time to quit. You better pray that thing through. You better get uh, 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 counsel from the Holy Spirit of God. Don't quit. When you're on the verge of quitting, that's not the time to quit. And I pray to God, if you're sitting here this morning and you're about to quit on something, I pray to God that you won't quit. You'll keep it up. Do right. Don't quit. Look with me at verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. Among them. God's saying it's too soon, Paul, for you to quit. So there's three promises I want us to look at quickly. God's presence. Never forget that. God's presence. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 it says, For I am with thee. Don't forget that. God's with us. So when you feel like to quit, hey, God's there with you. You just need to tune into God. And I don't mean that flippantly. I, I understand. Listen, I promise you, I understand. Man, uh, there's been days, you know what I want? <laughs> there's been days, somebody said to me the other day, you want to be a greeter at, at uh, Walmart? I said, no, I'd like to kick it up a little notch, but that would be okay. I could do that. But I'd like to be the guy at Ace Hardware. Can I help you? Yeah, where's the, uh, the washers? Oh, that's aisle four, sir. Guy needs help in aisle four, you know? And uh, you, that, that little radio, that little, you know, secret service radio there, you know, talk to, yeah, looks like a dummy. You might need to help him out a little bit, you know. Yeah. I could have fun with that. I'm going to tell you that right now. But there have been times I said to Becky, I said, you know what, Becky, I'm just going to go to Ace Hardware and work. Man, there's no stress at all. I mean, people are walking in the door, and I can help them. That's great. But you know what? Serving God, people walk in these doors, and we can help them. But it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And it can be weary at times. I get that. And so you just hang in there. Don't quit. In times of loneliness, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that wonderful? That's a promise of God. The word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us. In Matthew, we start out, God with us. And at the end, uh, Jesus says, and lo, I am with thee always. Talking about the great commission to go into all the world. So there's God's presence in time of loneliness as well. And then there's also God's presence in the valley. In the valley. 
When defeat comes, discouragement, sickness, financial re- reversal, heartaches, uh, family problems, remember that God is the God of the mountain <laughs> is still the God in the valley. A little boy, Billy, came home from, uh, from school, and his mom said, how'd your day go? And he said, well, uh, we, we got there, and, and, and Bobby, he'd been gone for three days, but he came back to school. And the teacher said, well, what happened to Bobby? And, and Billy said, Bobby's dad died. And she said, what did, what did he say? He didn't say anything, Mom. The teacher told us, and, and he just put his head on his desk and started crying. And then Mama said, what did you do? He said, I put my head on my desk and I cried with him. There's a verse in the Bible that Jesus says, he says, I am touched with the feelings of your infirmities. When you think, nope, my wife doesn't understand, my husband doesn't understand, my kids certainly don't understand, my parents don't understand, Jesus does. Jesus knows right where you're at. You're not... He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have to go around looking for you. He knows right where you're at. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. We have a God that's, that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And if we're honest, we'll admit that we have a fear of death. It's our normal you know, survival instinct to be fear, afraid of death. Yet David, the shepherd boy, led by God, Pinned it so well in the 23rd Psalm. He said, yea, though I walk, not run, I walk. I'm walking. And then it says, through the valley of death. Through it. I'm not going to walk and stay there and be afraid. The Bible says he walks through the valley. And then he calls it the shadow of death. I've never heard of the shadow of a pit bulldog to bite anybody. Why? I've never known of a shadow of a, a boxer, shadow boxing, to be knocked out by his own shadow. Why? Because shadows cannot harm us. Isn't that cool? Man, that's so cool. There's a nugget right there. And David says, when death comes, the Word of God in the New Testament says, oh, death, where is I staying? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because Jesus took the, the, death, the sting of death for us. Remember that. He's with us when we're lonely. We're with us when we're, he's with us when we're afraid. He's with us through death. He doesn't send an angel. <coughs> he comes when we die and we step on over on the other side. He's there. Jesus is there to meet us. He's promised. There's the promise He gives of God's protection. Look at verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. To hurt thee. He didn't say no man will set on thee. You big brothers, you ever used to set on your little sister or little brother? Uh-huh. Hold them down. And look at them after drinking a big old glass of chocolate milk. You know where I'm going with this one, don't you? Yeah, some of you guys are going, I know what's coming now. And then you just drool right in their face. Boom. Oh, yeah. You can get that thing to go down about six, eight inches and then just suck it right back up. And God says, hey, there, there's going to be people that are going to press you. 
There's going to be people that will push you. There will be people that will spray some DNA all over your face. But I'm with you through those times. I'm never going to leave thee. I'm never going to forsake thee. God has a purpose for our life greater than anything else. You see, when we serve the Lord and we don't quit, we press on, we forget those things that are behind, and we, we, we press on, as Paul beautifully says, hey, then we are, we are living for eternal dividends. Eternal dividends. We're not living for ourselves. Serving the Lord right where you're at as a godly mother or a godly father. Serving the Lord. Doing what God wants you to do. That has eternal dividends. And then God's talking about God's uh, protection. Some people say, well, Paul, they killed Paul not before he said, I have finished my course. Well, they killed Jesus not until he said, it is finished. Their course was lived out. God's will in their life was completed. God has a purpose for our lives. Don't quit. Someone once said, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things, and right now I'm so far behind, I'll never die. <laughs> I'll never die. So good to know that nothing can happen without the Lord's permission. Remember, the devil had to ask permission of God to attack Job. Didn't he? Sure he did. To live is Christ, to die is gain. God, God will bless. I'm not going to quit. The purpose of this church, the purpose of this church is threefold. It's to win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. We had some kids this week that made some great decisions. I'm so proud of you. They've made some wonderful decisions to serve the Lord. We'll be baptizing several of them next week, Lord willing. Winning souls. Then it's to uh, train up people to do the work of the ministry. Because you know what? These kids are part of the church today. And so we're, we're using them. You hear them singing. You hear them playing the instruments. You, you'll see an army of them at VBS next week because they got to learn how to tell stories. They got to learn how to uh, not tell stories, but teach truth out of the Word of God. They need to know how to do that and training them to do that. And then thirdly, it's to edify the saints, to encourage one another. That's what I'm trying to do this morning, to encourage you. Don't quit. Don't quit. It's too soon to quit. Ahead of us, He's our guide. Behind us, He's got our back. Above us, He's looking down from the clouds of glory. Under us, He's holding us up with His everlasting arms. We've talked about God's pre pre uh, presence, His protection, His promise. And lastly, I'll close with this, his poten our potential. God's potential. God sees potential in us. When I speak for the first time uh, every school year, I look at the, the kids and the students, and I say, I see a sea of potential here. I'll give you, some of you have heard it before, but my illustration for potential is <sighs> these two nice women were walking out of a really fancy, fancy 
restaurant. I mean, big time. If you have to ask how much dinner is, you don't belong there. One of those times, you know. And they're coming out, and they looked at this ugly guy coming out. One girl said to him, said to her friend, do you see that guy? She said, sure do. She said, he sure is ugly. The other girl said, yeah, he's real ugly. And he went down where the valet parking was, and a brand new Porsche pulled up. Boom. He opened up that door, and one girl said, well, he is ugly, but he got potential. <laughs> yeah. And you see, you see, every one of us in this room's got potential. So don't let the devil say to you, oh, you're nothing. You're, a, you're you know, you, you, you stink. You failed. What a blunder. What a babbler. Whatever. Don't let, don't listen to that. Satan is a, he's, he's the God of lies. He just lies, lies, lies. Let God be true and every man a liar, including Satan. God sees potential in you and he sees it in me. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, uh, it talks about that very thing. Be not deceived. I love this, what it says. Now listen, imagine who you are. Just think about it. And, and just think real quickly who you are and your shortcomings and your frustrations and listen. I'll tell you what, we'll close with this. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6. I want, get there, go there, go. I, I've heard zippers zipping on Bible cases. Unzip them, all right? I'll learn you, darn you. All right? Open up, turn them on, whatever. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. You've got to see this. And we'll close, I promise. I've said that three times now. But I promise we will with this. But if you, if you don't remember anything, remember what you're about to read right here. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Look, uh, well, I'll just remind you in uh, Acts 18, verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. The truth was known. There wasn't a lot of people in Corinth that were Christians at this time. There wasn't a lot. And there's, and, and, and I'm sure that, that uh, Paul was saying, Lord, what are you talking about? As Luke writes this, what are you talking about? And here it is. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Question. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at this next line. Verse 11. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. No. All of these types of people will not enter into the kingdom of God until, until, they have come to salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone. You see, there, you think, what's the potential in, a, in, in all these, these fornicators and adulterers? What kind of the thieves, the drunkards? There's no potential there. God says, yes, there are. You trust my, my Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. 
You repent of your sins. You turn. It's a repentance is a is a change of a change of mind that re results in a change of action, and, and and you you get saved, gloriously saved, and and God becomes your God, and, and and you walk with the Lord, and you're in God's perfect will. You used to be like that, but you're not anymore. You're not anymore. I see potential in you. God never created a nobody. God created us to fellowship with Him and to serve Him. Bothered by worldly people, see them the way God sees them. That's very important. Now, some thief comes into my house or some guy comes into my house to, to do harm. I'm By the grace of God, I might say, trust Jesus before I squeeze the trigger. But there's potential. Aren't you glad you're saved? Listen, before I was saved, I would do things that I'm not proud of, and I'll never talk about it. I'm not proud of it, but, but I, it never bothered me when I went home. Oh, I said, God, save me from jail. Don't let the police come. God, please don't let the police come, knowing that they'd be here. I'm driving around in a Volkswagen convertible white black top with Arkansas tags on it in Florida. I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb. And I'd wheel in and open up that garage and throw that car in there and jump in bed and say, God, please don't let the police come. Save me from jail, but I never was saying save me from hell. Because it didn't matter. But then one day, one day, I saw my need for a Savior. And I asked Christ to come in. I used to be like that. I was in that description. But God saw fit to save my soul. He's not willing that any should perish. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from Him? You know, the Bible says, whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal Savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God. Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. If you wish to send us a question or comment, reach out to us by email at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. Make sure you visit our website at www.templebc.net. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.